Thanks, John. Uh, great prayer. Also, uh, just letting you know we're having weekly prayer meetings at 5 o'clock in the church here as well. All right. Our uh, reading today is from Psalm 34. I will exalt the Lord at all times. I pray um, his praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I thought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the, the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cries. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears him. He delivers him from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them, uh, from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The force of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we, <coughs> we do thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it can be freely read and explained. And Lord, we pray that your spirit will help us to understand it and apply it in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, we thank God for our taste buds, don't we? Imagine, imagine if we didn't have our taste buds working. All food will be just tasteless. How many of you enjoy cooking? Yeah, I see a few hands up here, right? I love cooking. Uh, right. We've got the heaters all in hand. It's good. <laughs> uh, we love cooking, right? And if you're cooking, and uh, when we're in, in that process of cooking... I'm sure you might taste uh, whatever you're preparing and say, well, has it got the salt in it? Does it have the right amount of, if you're using curry powder, does it have the garam masala in it? Uh, is it all well balanced? And we thank God for taste buds because food is very much part um, of our lives. It's very much part of our society. Uh, it's very much part of our culture. In fact, uh, 
Yesterday I was serving on a stall at uh, Scotch College on their family day and I'm, I'm, believe it or not friends, you may not believe this, but I'm actually the vice president of basketball at Scotch because of my height. You see, <laughs> the parents couldn't resist the temptation of voting Chris in to be the vice president. Anyway, the point is that we ran a stall yesterday and one of our mothers there who serves on that committee, she makes all these gourmet sauces. Fantastic stuff. And jams and everything else that's sold at gourmet uh, supermarkets. I think I've never gone to any of those things. But anyway, I, I, I saw all of these things spread out yesterday. And we had tastings and all of that. And I kept on going from one after the other. And I couldn't resist the temptation. So I, brought, I bought some stuff for us as well. So, and people passed by and they tasted. Oh, this is so nice. And one guy came and said, I'll have ten dozens of these things. So, wow. So we said, we'll deliver it to your house. We earn lots of money for our basketball, but that's good. Tasting. We all taste food. Well, this morning, I don't want to talk about food, but that's important. Well, look at another aspect of tasting, to taste the goodness of God. And in these past few weeks, we have been working our way through some of the Psalms. I was speaking to some of the ladies here a few weeks ago, and they said to me, Chris... We want you to speak on the Psalms. So I said, well, ladies, you have spoken, and so I shall follow what you say. We're going to do a few Psalms. So here we are. Today we're going to look at Psalm 34. And one writer puts this about the Psalms, says, puts it this way about the Psalms. He says, they, the Psalms, are heart-searching and life-changing. They, the Psalms, are heart-searching and life-changing. John Calvin the great reformer said this about the Psalms. The Psalms are the anatomy of the soul. The Psalms are the anatomy of the soul. And Dr. John MacArthur says this, that there is a Psalm for almost every kind of day. There is a Psalm for almost every kind of day. And so friends, the Psalms are both exhilarating heights and the depressing lows in life which many of us can identify with as we go through the roller coaster ride in life. And so today we are going to focus our thoughts on Psalm 34 and just one verse, and that is verse 8, which is our text for this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Now, if you went to Deacon University yesterday, uh, to hear uh, the work there at Deacon, uh, their caption for yesterday was, Taste and See. And certainly we did taste and we did enjoy some good food, but we also heard some wonderful things that God's doing at Deacon University with Pete and the team there, and we praise God uh, for that. So let me give you a very quick historical background uh, to this psalm. The title of the psalm tells us that it was written at the time when David pretended to be insane before Abimelech. This word Abimelech, which means my father is king, may have been a title for the Philistine kings such as, such like Pharaoh was the title of the Egyptians. So if then the king referred to is Archish, as we read there in 1 Samuel chapter 21, Abimelech would be a title. That's been used. And so this is what happened uh, to David. 
That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. David flees from Saul. He finds himself in the confines of the king of Gath. And the soldiers said to the king of Gath that this was David who slayed the champion Goliath. We read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 21. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? How did, how come this guy is with us? Well, notice what David did. You see, David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. And you know what David did? He did a weird thing. <laughs> he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gates and letting his saliva down, run down his beard. He acted as a mad guy. And notice what Achish, how Achish responded to this. Achish said to his servants, look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here uh, to, to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Are you crazy? This guy is mad. He belongs to the, another place. He cannot be in my presence. And so we read in 1 Samuel chapter 22 that David escaped from Gath and fled to the cave of Adullam, where perhaps it's all possibilities that this psalm may have been written from there. And so it is within this framework, it is within this context that we have Psalm 34. And so in this psalm today, I want us to see David's testimony of God's goodness to him in the midst of his challenging circumstances that he faced in his life during this particular time. And as David reflected upon God, he wanted others to experience God's goodness just as he had experienced it as well. So he says, taste and see that the Lord is, what is it? He's good. Right? Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You see this word taste in the original gives us the idea of to perceive, to know, to understand. And David is using this, this word in this particular instance to give us an, uh, a kind of an idea, an image of what it means also to taste as in to taste in food. It is a call to try God. And so he says, taste. Uh, Dr. Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on the Psalms makes this observation. It seems, seems rather strange, isn't it, to, to kind of taste God. He says this, does that mean indelicate or impious to say? To compare God to good food? Maybe. But although God is more than this image suggests, he is certainly not less. Our problem is not that we think of him too literally, but that we do not think of him literally enough. You see, therefore, what Montgomery Boyce is saying is, the idea here is that, that, that just as we enjoy food, and it becomes part of us, 
part of our bodies as we eat it, so also God becomes as literally part of us by faith in Him. Got the point? I'm sure you do. Just as we taste food and we say, wow, that's a beautiful dish you made. Always say that to your wife, right? Guys, even if the dish is not... No, 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 I better not go there. (laughs) I won't go there. But... (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? Somebody puts hours of energy into making that, that, that meal and they put it in front of you and say, Oh, yeah, could I have had a bit of this? Could I? Ah, man, that's the worst thing you could say. Just enjoy it. Point is this. As we enjoy the food, as we say, Wow, this dish is fantastic. It's a cracker of a dish. You taste God and say, Wow, I'm tasting God in faith. We exercise faith in the Lord. We enjoy and we experience His goodness just like David did. And David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This word good is used four times in this psalm. 8, 10, 12, 14. Taste and see the Lord is good. It speaks, friends, this morning of the goodness of God. You see, the goodness of God is an attribute of God. An attribute is the quality or qualities that belongs to a person. The attributes of God refers to his person. It refers to the qualities of God. And here we see the attribute of the goodness of God. Uh, Theologian Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology uh, makes the observation, he says this, The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. He becomes the final standard of what is good. Right? So when God created the world, he looked at his work and said that it was very, what was it? Good. I mean, in our evening services, we've been going through the big picture thing. Right? Ten studies on the, on, the, on, on the big picture idea of the scriptures. And John looked at, uh, at Genesis chapters 1 and, and forwards. And, and we saw and was explained to us that when God created this world, he created things and it was good. Very good, in fact. The marvelous work of creation. In fact, the psalmist connects the goodness of God with the goodness of his actions, seen specifically in creation. Look at Psalm 104. I read Psalm 104 this past week, and I had to stop at certain points and reflect again what the psalmist said in Psalm 104. He says, for example, this, he said, the earth on its foundations, it can never be moved. (laughs) Do you see that? Every day you get up in the morning, and you look at this world that God has created, and this beautiful sunshine, and the Christmas, no, no, Christmas, okay, the crispness of the day. I mean, Christmas is coming as well. Uh, Christmas tree is already out, by the way, in shopping centers. The crispness of the day, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. The point is, it is it, you get up and you think, wow, this is a new day. It's a beautiful day that God has created. In His mercy, He's given me a new day to enjoy. Let me enjoy this day by your grace. Because it is of the goodness of God that we are able to get up out of our beds and put our feet on the ground. We take things for granted, don't we? 
We can take so many things for granted. But until something happens, then we realize, wow, I really miss this part of my body working or that part of my body working. It's hard. See, the Bible tells us that God is the source of all good in the world. We, we are to praise him for his good gifts. For example, we read in James chapter 1 in verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. For example, he lets the sun shine over the just and the unjust, over his people and those who are not. He sends the rain to fall over those who are his and those who are not. He sustains his creation. So we praise God for his goodness in showing us mercy. In spite of the fact that Adam and Eve fell into sin, God has shown this world mercy. And I'll come back to that later. Now at the personal level, friends, look at this psalm. I ask you to keep your Bibles open to Psalm 34. At the personal level, God shows his goodness to us and also he showed his goodness to David. In this psalm, let me highlight why David is saying God is good. Alright? If you've got your Bibles, you can see. Let me highlight some of them. The psalmist says, David says, that God is good because, one, verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. God is good because he answers, he answered David, just as he answers us. Verse 4b, he delivered me from all my fears. Our God is a deliverer. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Why? Why would the Lord hear him? Because he is a good God. 6b, and saved him from all his troubles. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That is, the goodness of God is upon his people. And 7, verse 7, God's protection, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Verse 18, look at verse 18. The Lord is near to the broken hearted and he saves the crushed spirit. What a comforting thing to know, friends, that out of his goodness, the Lord is near to the broken hearted. Have you ever been broken hearted? Have you ever been crushed in your spirit? The word broken here means to be shattered, to break in pieces. It refers to the inner person, the heart being shattered, bruised, battered emotionally within your soul. Maybe because someone made a crushing, hurtful comment about you and it has bruised you for your life. You felt crushed and broken. Maybe it was because something... That, that someone did something to you and you feel a, a broken person. Maybe because of a broken relationship, a loss of a loved one, a job, and you feel crushed. What do you do when you're broken hearted? What do you do? What, what do we do when we're broken hearted and crushed in spirit? Who do we turn to? You see, the psalmist is saying, the Lord is near. To the broken hearted. And to those who are crushed in spirit. Who do you turn to friends. When you are broken hearted. And when you are down on your knees. And the pressure has come upon you. And you feel crushed. When you feel bruised. 
Who do you turn to? The Lord is near. What a comforting thing that is to know. Any time that you feel bruised and broken hearted and the weight has come upon you, know the Lord is there. And he's close to you. That's the goodness of God. You see? So David says, God is near to the contrite. That's the word for crushed there. Who comes to him. He had experienced, David had experienced the Lord's goodness. And he says, hear, hear my testimony. This is for real. That is why he says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Trust him, David says. Make him your refuge. Now friends, there's another question for us to ponder. When we speak of the goodness of God, it also raises some significant questions. Does it not? Let me give you some questions. If God is good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Have you heard that argument? If God is good, then why am I going through such a difficult situation in my life? If God is good, then why has he taken away my precious loved one? Why has he taken away my child? I spoke to a father and mother recently. Driving in Terang, I think maybe I told you this story. Uh, went through the lights, a truck crashed onto their car. And four people were killed. and Two of them from the same family. That, that family lost two children on that one hit. A godly Christian family. And when the father and mother spoke to me, which was a few months ago, the tears were still welling up in their eyes. I knew this family back when I was pastor in Nurat, in a country town there. And the sadness. What do you say? Nothing. I, um, Rose was doing a daycare center at our home in, in Nurat. And this guy brought his little boy, two years old. He came home uh, to, uh, he's a little baby, Rose tells me, a little baby, maybe less than two years, so there you go. And uh, he was a nice little baby. I saw the father on Friday and I said to him, Jeff, what's happening on the weekend? He said, oh, Chris, I'm going to do my ride on mower on the farm. I'm going to look after things. I'm going to have a great weekend. I finished church on Sunday morning. Came home. I was just about to have, a, uh, have my lunch in Nurat. I had a phone call. It was uh, his wife. They were not Christians. They knew I was the local minister there. And she was crying on the phone. Said, Chris, Jeff died today, this morning. What do I say? See, there are some things, friends, we'll never know. You see, how can a good, all powerful, all wise God allow so much suffering in the world and tragedy, and evil in this world, and call and be called good? You say, How can you say God is good? Now, it's not my intention this morning to address the subject of suffering in this world or to cover the entire subject of the goodness of God. I just want to raise those issues because I think they are very real issues in our lives. These questions perhaps have come up in your very, in your very minds, you see. See, these are some of the questions that maybe some of us have grappled with in our own life. They are tough questions. And I don't want to pretend that I have any answers to these questions because I don't. And there are times that I have cried and asked God, why? When I hear stories and when I hear people being, being, being diagnosed with all kinds of sicknesses, I wonder, why God? Why? 
See, but in attempting to answer the questions, let me point out to two quick examples in the Bible. One is Job. See, Job suffered so much. Listen to what he said to his wife. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And at the end of his journey with all those trials in his life, this is what Job said. What did he say? I know that my Redeemer lives. I know and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. Yes, I am crushed. Yes, I am bruised. Yes, I have lost everything. Yes, my life has been literally torn apart. But I know one thing. My Redeemer lives. And so I will live. Do you see that? Another example, quickly, is, is Joseph. I think of Joseph, who was sold by his brothers, who were jealous of him. And you know the story, you can read that in Genesis. Remember what he said to his brothers, through all the sadness in his life? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You see, friends, it is not uncommon for those who face pain and hardship and suffering in, life, in this life to doubt the goodness of God. So how can you be sure? How can I be sure of God's goodness to you and to me? What, what is the proof of his goodness? You see, note what the psalmist says in Psalm 20. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, 19 onwards, but the Lord delivers them uh, him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the force of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in, in him will be condemned. You see, David is looking back on his own experience. Look at verse 20. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. You see, we know that Christians have suffered death even today. We hear of the sad stories. Their bones are crushed and broken. You see, David, by God's providence, his bones were not crushed as it were. Then what is David focusing on in verse 20? You see, who is David speaking of in verse 20? Do you know who? John chapter 20. John chapter 20, sorry, John chapter 19, 32 and forwards. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus by the side and so forth. We read there in this, in this text. And, and, and John says this in verse 36. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. You see, John says, friends, that the bones of Jesus were not broken because God sent his son into the world. God had the plan of salvation. And Christ suffered there. And his bones were not broken. Our bones can be broken, but his will never be. 
And what we see here in the text here is that Jesus in his body was fulfilling what David already spoke of in this psalm. And so friends this morning, this is why we can be convinced of the goodness of God in our lives. Because when Jesus was crucified, none of his bones were broken. He gave his life willingly and sacrificially at the cross. It was God's plan. And in Romans chapter 8, we read this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of what? Of those who love him and have been called according to this purpose. And then, we read this in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us who can be against us, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him Graciously give us all things. You see, Jesus. That's the goodness of God. I can go on this morning. We won't. See, that is God's goodness. Whenever we are tempted to say, God, it's easy for you to say you are good, God. But you don't understand. You don't understand human suffering. Well, he does. All his goodness is given to us in Jesus. And we look at him and we say, Lord, I thank you that you have been good to me. I don't understand the pain I'm going through. I don't understand this. I understand the sorrow and the, the depth of my agony within me. But I thank you that your goodness has been shown to me in your son Jesus. And one day, that goodness will take me to heaven. One day, that goodness will help me see your face. And one day, because of your goodness, your face will shine upon mine. And those who look to the Lord, they are radiant. And they will never be put to shame. What a blessing, eh? What a blessing is that? No wonder David says in this psalm, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory the Lord in, uh, glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. See, are you a Christian here this morning? If you are a Christian here this morning, then you've tasted God's goodness, right? And I hope you continue to keep on tasting the goodness of God in our lives. How are you living your life in response to God's goodness to you? What are you doing with your life? For the remainder of these days, we don't know how many days God gives us to live on earth. Do you know? Anyone? See me, we'll have a long coffee, we'll have coffee and talk about it. <laughs> we don't know. God gives us now, we serve him. If you're not a Christian here this morning, then repent of your sin. Say, enough is enough. I've heard the gospel. I've heard God speak to me by, my, by His Spirit. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to repent of my sin, return to Jesus, and give my life to, to Him and say, Lord, I want to taste and know your goodness today. If you don't know Him, there will be people up here after the service. I will invite you to come up. If you want prayer, come up here. People will pray for you. And if you want to know more about Christ, then talk to either John or myself, talk to anyone else, or all the team that is up here. And they will share what it means to taste the goodness of the Lord. Friends, 
Let me close with this. The Lord is good. And His goodness has been shown to us in Jesus. That is why I stand here Sunday after Sunday. And I'm sure John does as well as we preach because that's what keeps us going. Really, really, that's what keeps me going. I'm sure for other guys as well. Let's be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. The complexities of life, sometimes we don't see your goodness perhaps. It's hard. Thank you. That there was one who went to the cross whose bones were not broken. That he gave his life for us. That in Jesus we see all the goodness of God revealed to us. Help us, Lord, to, to trust Christ, to look to our Lord. For one day, we will have the fullness of that goodness in the new heavens and the new earth. We long for that day. In the name of Jesus. Amen.